Welcome to What I Wish I Knew by Dental Head Start, your weekly mentoring session thanks to cpdjunkie.com.au. Hey, this is Chidham and welcome to the What I Wish I Knew podcast by Dental Head Start. Now, this episode has a little bit of a twist. It's not what I wish I knew. It is more like what I wish my dentist would do from the point of view of a dental technician or a ceramist. Rob DeLue, the uh, master ceramist of RWD Dental, talks to us about what your technician is really thinking when he's doing, he or she, of course, is doing your lab work. How can, um, you know, their advice help us dentists do better work and achieve better outcomes for our patients. So sometimes lab technicians are stuck between a rock and a hard place. They don't want to ever give feedback that, you know, will be taken um, negatively or as criticism, but they actually have to give essential feedback um, to their dentist. And they're somewhat silenced by this, I guess, expectation that the, the lab job, the lab will fix it all or if something's wrong it's the lab's fault so rob gives some amazing insights this is honestly one of my favorite podcasts um enjoy so you know early in my career a dentist that had been around for a long time he gave me a word of advice and he said rob i'm going to tell you you can make dentistry as simple as possible or you can make it really complicated and if you follow the simple thing called kiss Keep it simple, stupid. Follow that and you'll have a brilliant career and life will be easy. If you try and make it too complicated, you're never going to have any time to yourself. You're not going to have a work-life balance and things are never going to go straight. So that was some of the best advice I think that I had early in my career was to keep it simple, stupid. And the only way that we can really do that, and it's really interesting when I talk to young dentists, particularly that are out, you know, four or five years, all of that lovely enthusiasm and it's fantastic but they try to overcomplicate things and if they just step it back a little bit write things down in bullet points and just you know have a picture of what the final result needs to look like and work your way backwards and just keep it really simple you know and I think that that's a really important lesson. So practically I've actually heard that so many times about keeping it simple Practically, where do you see that that can be applied in the work that comes across your so, desk? You know, let's put it down to just a simple crown prep. You know, following simple philosophies of you can't stick some, something in a cave. Um, you know, so why would you be able to fit a crown into an undercut? So just, you know, thinking practically and pragmatically about things, I think, is a really important lesson in dentistry because it's a complex thing that you're doing. It, and effectively, you know, a dentist is a is a micro carpenter, okay, and and you're a sculptor. You 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 know, it's so difficult to get that handpiece at the distal of an an upper seven, you know, and you, it's all feel and motion. So it's easy for me as a technician to say, hey, you've got undercuts or your your margins are no good. But quite often in my lab, an exercise that we do is I get my technicians to prep something on a model and just find out how hard it is on the model. And then imagine that there's a tongue, there's somebody breathing, there's a bit of blood around the place, um, and then there's an angry patient that's paying a bill at the end because it's so so damned expensive to, to get quality work done. 
I just keep coming back all the time. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, just keep everything really short, short bullet points. But then again, you know, I'm going to contradict myself by saying too much information is never enough. You know, with all of the technology that we've got available to us now with Instagram, with um, with podcasts, with um, Facebook pages, and, and you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a plethora of information out there now and, and education is so available everywhere um, that our minds start to get, they get drifted a little bit and we try to overcomplicate things. So, you know, if we're thinking about as simple as a simple single crown, Fill out a lab sheet. Most labs have got, you know, boxes to tick on their lab sheets. What sort of material you would like? A, a diagram of a tooth of some description and colouring in or drawing what shade the tooth might be. And, you know, I think we're, we're way past the day of just filling out on a lab sheet, um, you know, one for crown A2. I, th- I think that technology affords us to be better than that. And I think that it would be a backward step if we didn't use the technology that's available to us just as a simple thing like a photograph means so much to us as technicians look even i've been guilty of forgetting to send that photo forgetting to take the photo and sometimes i wonder what compromised positions that i force the technicians that i work with into because of my shortcomings so you know if um if i was a fly on the wall listening to a group of technicians talk about the annoying things that their dentists did and i can see you laughing i know this is a podcast but i can see rob just like laughing what are the things apart from the rude stuff what are the things they would complain about funny you should say that so in the lab today i said guys you know we're doing a podcast this afternoon and this is a great way to get the message across for not just us as a lab but for technicians all over the place so i'm going to limit you guys to i want you to write down three things that annoy the crap out of you but equally i want to write i want you to write down three positive things that you really enjoy getting from dentists on a daily basis and i'll read you a couple of them and they all seem to have the same synergy. They all come back into one thing. So, you know, somebody wrote down uh, getting a precise impression with the right bite. And it's amazing how often, you know, we'll get uh, models that are uh, quadrant impressions with no bite. And, uh, and we're expected to try and figure out where that bite might be on that, on that case with, you know, one tooth on either side of the crown prep and the same on the opposing arch as, as an opposing model or even a full arch model without any bite so that's that's always you know looking in the lab for the magic wand to try and get that right um getting the right photos and the right shade and the angles of the of the photography that's a that's a really valid point Uh, getting detailed feedback good or bad so you know as technicians we kind of send our little creativities off into the wild wild world to get put in the mouth and we and we don't get the feedback whether it's good bad or ugly well most of the time you get feedback that it didn't fit or the bite was high or the margins weren't right or something like that, which is, is sometimes out of our control. All we can do is make it fit on the model that's been supplied from the impression. And I think this one's a really important one, lab sheets. You know, it, And it all comes down to communication, doesn't it? So lab sheets with terrible handwriting. And, you know, I don't know any doctor out there that, that can read their own writing, let alone us trying to read them. And, and we often have conversations, funny conversations with practice managers whereby we're, we're scanning the lab sheets in and sending it to the practice managers to decipher. So again, you know, I'm sure that people can type lab sheets these days. 
Um, we're typing notes all the time in the patient files so that I can. So do you do you ask the practice manager, hey, what did Dr. So-and-so mean by this? And even the practice manager is like, I have I've no idea. no idea. Welcome to my world is often the reply that we get. So, you know, it, it all, all comes down to just effective communication. You know, what's written on a lab sheet, that's our prescription. That's that's what we've got to work on, on, on what we want to deliver back to you. And if it's not clear and concise, then really it's just guesswork for us. We don't like doing guesswork. We, we want to be making something that you're proud to put in your patient's mouth and that your patient's proud to have in their mouth. So that's, that's, that's something there. Uh, you know, <laughs> all of them have written down bad impressions. And then, you know, somebody's also said um, not just bad impressions but terrible scans and the expectations of, of, of scans where there's subgingival margins and there's a lot of saliva over the preps and, you know, that's undetectable. Yet we're expected at the laboratory and to find that margin somewhere. So I guess it's balancing technology and, and materials and, and experience of, of trying to get the best results. I think a lot of technicians are forced into this position where they're damned if they do and damned if they don't. And it kind of sucks because like even I've taken an impression and there's been a spot where I'm like, oh, that's borderline. I want to pretend I didn't see that. Is that going to be something that the technician can fudge? I'm running late. The patient's over it. I'm over it. What do I do? I'll send it. And, you know, I, even I've written lab sheets that start with the word sorry, um, and I'm sure you've come across that a lot. But it's I, I think that dentists need to accept that we can't just pass on the responsibility of a good result. We have to own that responsibility as well because it's just unfair. I totally agree. And, and, you know, as I say, and, and Chidham, we've been working together for a long time, and our philosophy is that it's a team sport. You know, we've, we've got to have an understanding of what you're going through in the surgery trying to get that impression, frustrated patient, you're, you're over it, patient's over it. Uh, and then when we get to the laboratory and we see something that we just can't work on, then, you know, it, a really good relationship between the practitioner and the lab, you, you work your way through that and you find a solution to it. And, and the solution should always have the patient in mind, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I see a lot of dentists blame the lab and it's actually just not, sometimes it's just really not fair. And, and sometimes they even put the lab in a hard position where they, the lab is uncomfortable giving them feedback because not everyone is as receptive to it as they should be. Correct. And you know, there's nothing worse than that phone call when you've put your heart and soul into something and it fits on the model beautifully, but it doesn't fit in the mouth and, and you're getting thrown under the bus for it. And, uh, and you think, well, wow, you know, I've put two days, three days of work into this, um, heart and soul, pride and joy, and I'm getting read the right act because it doesn't fit in the mouth. Well, it fits on the models and that's all we've got to work with. So the responsibility has got to lie somewhere. Um, and it's, as I said, it's, it might not be the dentist's fault, might not be the lab's fault, but something's gone wrong in the process. So there just needs to be that understanding. Uh, you know, I've been giving a lecture for years at, at, at Sydney Uni and, and Guide Program, and I think you were unfortunate to sit through that once once upon a time. And one of my slides, it, it's, um, you know, about communication and we're talking about photography and legible lab sheets and, you know, taking videos and three-dimensional views and so on and so forth. And, and in there I put, you know, when it all goes wrong, blame the lab in front of the patient. But the point under that I make is call the, call the lab back and work it out. 
apologize to them and, and say, hey, what went wrong? What do you what do you think it was? Let's let's work through the process and find out the solution. Because there's a, there's always something. You remember years ago with a, with a practice uh, in Macquarie Street, really good practice, and and all of the crowns were just you know they were too tight. And I'm thinking this is ridiculous. You know, we supply all of our crowns on three models on the on the master die, which is which is our golden goose. We 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 just don't let anything touch that except for checking the margins, and then a working uh, solar model, and then a final solar model that we're checking all of the contacts on. So and fitting all of those three models, but they weren't fitting in the mouth, and so. I ended up going into the surgery and what had happened is the dentist had had a change of staff and DAs and they were putting the impression material near the window and the sun was affecting the impression material so it was setting really quickly and so he was experiencing a, a thing called rebound with the impression material and once we you know it was as simple as that once he moved the impression material back to where it should have been we never had the problem again. It's that time of year again. Before June 30, we have to renew our indemnity insurance. And when I look for an insurer, I'm looking for someone who's going to be there when I need their help. They're going to act fast and they're going to be by my side so I can practice with confidence. I get all of that from Dental Protection Limited. What I love about them is that they're more than just an insurer. They're actually here to help us, to give us content and support us with medical legal situations and most importantly, help us avoid these situations. The content they produce is the best content out there from an insurer like them. Renewal notices are out in May. To make sure you get all of these added benefits, sign up by June 30. I can say from personal experience, when you need help, you'll be glad you're with Dental Protection Limited. Thank you, Dental Protection Limited, for supporting me in my career and the Dental Head Start podcast. Unfortunately, fortunately or unfortunately, the different points where errors can occur is quite a lot in the process of restorative work in dentistry. So you just can't control a whole bunch of them and yet you're working with the amplified version of the error down the other end. It's just it would be heartbreaking to have, you know, spent all that time on on something that could have really been avoided in the first place. And on top of that, sometimes occasionally to have to cop the responsibility for in, in one way, shape or form, whether it's like, you know, the dentist thinking that you had something to do with it or a financial responsibility for the time it took you and your business to do that. Yeah, look, I, I think it just needs to be a really good mutual understanding and, and you know, working together in what we do, it's such precise work and, and there needs to be a really high level of understanding of each other's jobs and responsibilities. You know, I, I love nothing more than the dentists that we work with coming through the laboratory and spending time with us. So let's let's flip this around and talk about the positives for a second. What are the things your technicians love seeing? So, you know, they're, they're saying things like um, all of the informa- information is that's needed is all written on the lab sheet. Again, it all comes back to communication, that really lovely clean impressions uh, with, with impression trays that are full of that lovely stuff called impression material rather than just a small little horseshoe that's picking up two-thirds of the arch and none of the palette or any of the peripheries. You know, all of that stuff's still important. You know, they love seeing uh, being open to discuss the hurdles and suggestions and talking about the aesthetics versus the function of the case. Um, what's another one that's been written down here? This is clearly from our all-on-4 department, registrations uh, of, of the arches and good workup, you know, photography and videos. 
and uh, and good feedback. But one that resonates really clearly is is feedback from the dentists, positive or negative criticism, or or just working through what's working and what's not, so that we can get a better result. And a lot of labs, as you were saying, you know. Uh, they hear the bad, but they never hear the good or very often. And and we're really grateful, you know, to people like you, Chitam, where you do, you you give the great feedback and you broadcast it on on things like Instagram and let people know that there's good work out there. And that, that gives everybody a huge pat on the back and makes their job worthwhile. Yeah. Can I, can I tell you something? People often compliment me for my crown and bridge and veneer work and I have to respond humbly by saying, I didn't do any of that. I tried to create space. So dentists are often incorrectly, the the, the, the compliments are indirectly, you know, diverted to the dentist. And you're going to be very humble, I know, and say, oh, it's a team sport. But I, I just think how unfair is it to, to ceramists who were like, I did, I did that. Well, you're getting to know me well, aren't you? <laughs> you're getting to know me too well. But look, you, you, you don't get result, results like that by mistake. You get it through really good communication and and that's something that you know i'm proud to say that you're very good at and and it's it's a pleasure working on your cases because we do get that communication coming through and and sometimes when you know we think that we've given you a shape that doesn't really meet your eye you'll certainly let us know about it and then we can create we can try and make a difference but we're getting the information we're getting a three-dimensional video from a an iphone a video or, or the slr camera we're getting still shots from different angles so we're you know we 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 just keep coming back to the one thing every time. Effective, effective communication is the key between laboratory and and um, and and the surgery. And if there's a if and trying to define where the weak link in that is, you know, quite often in the lab, particularly, you know, this month's been a bloody nightmare. You know, every week is a short week, and unfortunately, a lot of a lot of practices just haven't included those public holidays in the turnaround time. So. You know, trying to trying to make a square peg fit around hole just doesn't really work sometimes, and that's always a difficult conversation. As you were saying, technicians often feel that they're in a rock and a hard place for, to say no, and I think it's really important for labs to be able to say no um, to maintain the quality of their work. And and we've had to make some, you know, tough calls this week to to clients that have sent through cases on. Wednesday or Thursday, but not included the three public holidays. So it's just impossible for us to get those cases back in time uh, at the quality that we'd like to do. You know, it's, it's interesting, a conversation I had with a dentist the other day where they sent through probably five or six hours worth of work to the lab but wanted it back in two days' time. And my question back to the practice manager gave us a little bit of cheek and, and said, well, why can't you get it done? And so our response to that was, well, can you find four hours in your dentist day tomorrow if we were to call and say, can you find an extra four hours tomorrow, would he be able to fit it in? because we can't, you know, unless we stay back until midnight to get that job done. So I think that there just needs to be a lot more respect uh, in, in the profession for technicians. Uh, it's a bloody tough job. You know, it's, it's manual labour all day long under a microscope, uh, mainly, and you're dealing with, you know, trimming, trimming things, shaping things, being creative, concentrating, um, and, and, and doing multiple cases at the same time. So the ultimate multitaskers. Yeah, yeah, I think that's such a good point because we can often be um, so um, focused on our own perspective if we just flip it around and go, right, 
let's look at it from the other perspective, look from the other side. Would we expect the same conditions? Would we, patient was like, you need to do this in a quarter of the time. We, we couldn't deliver. We, we would say no. I think, um, and dentists maybe sometimes hide behind the excuse that they're front facing with the patient and they've got to deliver the bad news. But at the end of the day, we just have to have a mutual understanding that everything at the end of the day is for the benefit of the, re- the outcome, the final result for the patient. And nobody, nobody enjoys a redo or, or, you know, doing things for the sake, rushing it and taking a shortcut. You know, I think another great lesson that we've all got in dentistry, there are no shortcuts. Good, good mate of mine, David Dunn, something that he taught me many years ago, and, and this is showing my age, I've known DD and worked with DD for about 28 years. And unfortunately, he's, he's come to now beating me on the golf course, but, which is not great. Measure it twice and cut it once. So take your time with things, you know, do it properly. Um, you're putting a part of, we're, we're, we're creating anatomy and we're putting a body part into somebody. So it, it needs to work. It needs to be good. It needs to look like a tooth. So let's actually just do a couple, like a, just a minute each on those um, common things that you see where dentists almost shoot themselves in the foot by not getting this bit right and then forcing you guys to compromise. Number one, let's start with the impression. Top tips for taking a good Im- impression, a PVS impression. Top tips. Fill the impression tray up. Use enough material to get all of the, the borders, to, to get enough around all of the teeth in the mouth. You know, I'm a huge fan if you're doing, you know, the other day we had a case of 10 veneers in a triple tray. I mean, that's just not acceptable. They're just creating too many variables. So tip number one, if you're doing multiple units, use a sturdy tray and fill the impression material into that tray. Uh, retraction cord is a must. Um, if there's some some bleeding and so on and so forth, maybe something like Expacil as well as, um, as some, some cord. Uh, and, and learn your technique. Um, you know, a lot of people like to use their triplex and blow the preps with a little bit of air to, to make sure there's no moisture on the preps. Um, some other materials are hydrophilic and they don't mind having a bit of, bit of water on them or, or a bit of saliva and they, they, they work quite well. So understanding your, the capability of the impression material that you're using, I think, is number one. What works in your hands? And not every, I don't think there's one impression material for everybody. I think that people have different techniques with their impressions and, and figure out which one works for you. And when you find it, stick to it. Yeah, and and in your experience, what's the impression material that produces the most successful impressions? What do you like seeing? Look, I, I think that always a light body, heavy body sort of combination works really well. Um, 3M do some spectacular materials and, and Honey Gum's another one, an old favourite that works quite well. Uh, take One is just tried and tested. You know, I think the light body, heavy body combination of Take One is is almost, uh, I, I, I like to call it abuser-friendly. <laughs> it just seems to work. And, and Affinis is another one, Coltine Affinis. It's been around for years. Uh, they did bring one out that, it, and I don't mind saying I hated it, and it was that phase where they had the gold and silver light body and they got away from the, the green light body and the orange heavy body. And, uh, and it just used to tear and drag and it was just an, I found it to be an awful material. and. Okay. and and, and, you know, got people to go back to the older material, which just seemed to, again, be more abuser-friendly. We, we just didn't seem to have drags, really clean margins, and it was a bit more robust. Okay. And when, as a dentist, we take the impression, we use our headlight and look back at our impression, 
What are we looking for and when should we just cop it and do it again? So you're looking for margins first and foremost because if you can't see the definitive line that you've prepped around the tooth, then we're not going to see it either. You know, when we pour up that model and it's a positive solid rock, um, the chances are that there is no line there. It's just covered in in whatever the impression material looks like under your loops. So the first thing that you need to be looking at is, is one that, again, that there's enough impression material in the impression tray to start off with. Uh, before taking the impression and that uh, when the impression has been taken out you've got a clear defined margin line in the impression that you can detect because if you can't detect it then we're not going to be able to either looking for any tears around those margins sometimes you know in those interproximal areas um, particularly with patients with black triangles where the impression material gets caught in there you know and, and it tends to tear so looking out for things like that has has the impression material been left behind is there a big tear straight through the margin um, that's always frustrating when you're getting, you know, multiple veneers and then that one margin that you really, really, really depend on that's on the single, on the central interproximals is all covered from being torn. So, you know, that's, that's frustrating for, for us at the lab end, because we've now got to make a phone call to you to say, oh, you've got to take the temps off. I know veneer preps, are, they're a pain in the neck, but we need a new impression and everybody, you know, feels the pain. Whereas at the time, if it was looked at, maybe it could have been dealt with then. Yeah, I think you should have a recorded voice spot that has to give bad news to dentists so no one has to do it because if you say you've got to call the dentist and ask them for a new impression and look over the years, you've done it to me and I'll be like, no, Rob, no. is there any other way? Not um, that phone call. And I, I say things like, but they live in Melbourne and they think it's just impossible. And it's but, amazing how many patients are going away on holidays or moving overseas for turnaround times. I think that that's, that's, that's excuse. Yeah, and they, and they say that to you like it's yeah. your, like you've got some control over that yeah, but um you should just create create the bot to say that um but I think we, we, we could do that let's let's do that I think that could be quite fun your little little press box <laughs> the lab so, says no <laughs> not my so fault. if I can just be cheeky with the um with we're looking back at our impression we've got you know like the multi-units of of preps and we're looking back at our impression if I can be cheeky what that can we like get me. away with what can we get away with you know, what can you get away with? You can get away with a triple tray. Uh, if, let's call it a single unit. Um, you can get away with a triple tray uh, whereby you've managed to capture all of the margins, a clean prep, and you've got some good adjacent teeth and the opposing is nice and clean as well, and you're confident that that is the accurate MMR. That's what you can get away with. What you can't get away with is uh, using a triple tray in the patient's move uh, when you're taking the impression and expecting the lab to try and miraculously find that bite. What else can you get away with? With multiple units, sometimes, and technicians will probably start making dartboards of my head for saying it. If you do take an impression of a multiple unit case and you discover that there's maybe one drag on one tooth, then take an individual impression of that, that tooth and send that to the laboratory as well because we can seal the margins on that prep. Sometimes for practical, uh, we all understand that is absolutely not ideal. One impression, one master model with everything right is so ideal. But it doesn't happen all the time, you know, and it's, it's an incredibly difficult skill to, to, to get to. And there's not, not many people that get to that, that perfection. Um, so I think that there needs to be a level of understanding. If there's margins of damage, it's just it's just a it's a no go zone. You know that's what we want the seal of the, the of the restoration to be on. 
if the if the body of the prep has got a little bit of drag on it, uh, then you know we can always get that under the microscope with a with a scalpel and follow your line angles of the prep, and mostly that works. Uh, but before any technician does that, they should have a conversation with you, because ultimately it's your responsibility. You know, you need to know what your impressions have have, have come out like, and. You know, you don't want to be, and I think if if technicians don't make that brave call and have that conversation, then the onus is on them. Yeah. Oh, and on this note, can I say something I'm guilty of? I'm actually sounding like the crappest dentist, but I've sometimes taken an impression, taken an opposing, and then just forgotten completely to check the occlusal clearance. And the technician, or when I try to make my temporary and I do the occlusal check, it's like there's a hole in my temporary and I'm like, oh, my God, or the technician calls, they're like, dude, you've given me no occlusal clearance because I never stopped to check. Sometimes, it, you know, it's just it's just that's just on you, right? Um, but does that happen often or am I the only yeah, idiot no, out it happens, there? it happens all the time. And, you know, cool. and, it, and it's, <laughs> you know, there's a thing called a trim coping that we make far too many of in the laboratory but... You know, I guess that's that's what you ask. What what can we get away with? And and again, effective communication. If you know, if the preps are, are in contact or there's not enough clearance, um, and we can make a trim coping for you, then that conversation has to be had. Or can you can you adjust the opposing? And more often than not, the answer is yes. Um, so again, there's always a solution to the problem, but it needs to be a team sport. You know, I don't think it should be up to the technician to go, okay, well, there's not enough clearance here, so I'm just going to trim the prep, going to make your trim coping and send you a note. You know, I think that the phone call needs to be made to the doctor and maybe there's a reason why there's there's not enough clearance. You know, you might be an ananode away from, you know, getting into the pulp and uh, and, and destroying that tooth where you had in mind or, or that the opposing can be adjusted or we've had instances where you know the realization is okay i've prepped enough here i can't prep anymore the opposing impression was done first and then the dentist has actually adjusted the opposing because they found their temporary is 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 too thin and then they've forgotten to relay that information to the lab and they go oh oh, hang on a sec you know forgot to tell you we did actually adjust the opposing so um, i'll get a new alginate for you or, or take annoying. it's annoying but but again there's a solution because the phone call was made you know and and then that's avoiding that that angst of the of the laboratory and and the anticipation of a phone call if the crown's too high and there's lots of adjustment or or not so again we all make mistakes with communication but you know we just need to all be better at it yeah and Okay, so that's impression. So you said take a good impression, make sure the margins are really clean and crisp. We've got lots of anatomy captured in the impression. There's we've got moisture control, we've got a, enough occlusal clearance, and we have clear communication if there, if a compromise needs to be made somewhere, like adjusting the opposing. Any tips on digital impressions? Yeah, look, I think digital is, is, is great dentistry. I think it's wonderful technology, but we need to use it for what it is. And you know, if if we if one of the most frustrating things that we see daily on a laboratory with the scans coming through are subgingival preps, and you know when you've got the soft tissue sort of collapsing and you've got saliva or blood around those margins, then they're just not detected; they're reflected. Um, and we're seeing a higher instance now um, with more scans clearly of of short margins on crowns and phone calls saying there's a short margin here. 
Um, but then when a conventional impression is taken, we find that that margin's a long way away from what it looked like in the scan. So I think that we, you know, when, when using a scan, I think it's terrific technology, but make sure the margins are, are at, at, at worst equigingival. Yeah, and I think um, there's something to say about the retraction techniques needs to be as good, if not better, in a digital scan environment because you still need to have soft tissue dis- displaced so you can see that margin clearly. You're dead right, Chitama. I think, you know, it needs to be better. Because at least with some compression of the impression material, it's pushing that soft tissue out a little bit. So you've got half a chance of capturing that margin if the soft tissue starts to collapse. But with a scan, you don't, and you get that overshadowing, and, and it just doesn't detect it. And quite often what will happen is the reflection will look like a margin. And so the labs will actually look at that and go, oh, margin's pretty clear, but it's not a, not a margin at all. And, um, and so I think that a tip for digital scans one, you need to have the prep really dry, um, and and equally, I think the margins are either exceptionally retracted if they're going to be subgingival margins, or they need to be equigingival or supergingival margins. And am I right in saying that if it is a subgingival margin, that you would just prefer a really crisp analog impression? Yeah, I would, and I, and I think most technicians would as well. And I, and I think that the data is there to prove that. You know, it just again, it comes back to common sense. And sometimes we all get carried away with technology because it's so, and it's lovely for the patient. It's lovely technology to be showing the patient, but practically sometimes it just doesn't work. Aligners are becoming an integral part of practice. And whether you are new to aligner therapy or an experienced practitioner, the opportunity is vast. But how do you do that well? And how do you do that profitably? Well, Dr. Jeff Hall and Dr. Jesse Green have got together to help you with both of these key problems in aligner therapy. Dr. Jeff Hall is going to teach you how to do clear aligners to a high standard and give you the confidence to be able to treatment plan and troubleshoot your patients. And Dr. Jesse Green is going to show you how to do this more efficiently, more profitably, and to get more patients like these into your practice. Solving these problems and getting you profitable in clear aligners is what Clear Aligner Excellence, their new education platform, is all about. It also gives you huge discounts on the aligner lab fees. There's almost no reason not to find out more. Clearex.com.au last two things I want to ask about one is photos and the other is about how you want us to structure feedback but first any tips about photos or the sort of visual aids to your work yeah look I think you know at the very least most any practice now should have an SLR camera and a really good one and the cost of those have come down considerably you know I remember the first Olympus camera that I bought that had very few megapixels on it and I think it cost me nine and a half or ten thousand dollars, and it you wouldn't. Your iPhone is far better than what that was. So you can get a great SLR camera now for about you know the whole package with the with the lighting and, and the flashes for you know three and a half four thousand dollars these days. So I think that every practice should have one. Get the settings right. Uh, get your your f stops right. Get the apertures all all in sync with the laboratory, and and take some really nice photographs. Um, there's plenty of good courses around for people to do, and I think that that's 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 101 in dentistry if you're going to be doing anything cosmetically now. So, can you just give me an example of let's? Can we just use the example of like let's say we've got a lower molar, single crown. Yep. What are you looking for in the photo in terms of retraction? So uh, tab. So uh, you know, using cheek retractors, getting the patient turned sideways so that you're 
effectively front onto that tooth um, and and trying to get your flashes away so that you're not getting so much reflection on that and diffusing the flash a little bit. And what we're looking for there is, look, you're never going to get the colour per se out of a photograph, but you're going to get the gradient of colour. So you're going to see that there's, you know, there's a lot of value or there's a lot of hue or chroma in the crown and where that starts. So cervically, you might have a, a darker area and you look at the translucency graduation and the photo will pick, a good photograph will pick that up. And that's really helpful to hold a shade tab next to that as a guideline, okay? And, and then we've got a really good visual if it was, a, as you were saying, a lower six, you know, and then maybe an occlusal photograph of the adjacent teeth so that we know if there are any fissure stains or, you know, sometimes through the central fossils you get that lovely ochre dentine colour coming through and it's important that we put that into the crown and, and having your developmental lobes maybe a little bit frosty. Try trying to capture that in the photo, that that you'll then get next level dentistry, whereby you'll have your laboratory wanting to make you teeth, not crowns. And that's 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 a really important message for most labs is that everybody says, Oh, you know, we, we do ten crowns a day. In our lab we say we, we, we make you know, maybe ten teeth a day because we want to send out something that looks like a tooth, not a crown, and uh, and disappear in the mouth. So effective photography like that is 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 awesome communication to the lab to to help. You know, when we graduate from dental school, we don't have a really clear understanding of what labs want or need or what it is they're looking for. So we're really just guessing and we rely on the feedback of the individual technician. What I would love to see from labs is if we've subscribed to a lab saying, I want to work with you, I would almost, I'm imagining this welcome pack where they send you a like welcome bundle and they show you a model of like this is an example of a perfect prep and like the three things that we're looking for here there's no undercut clear margins well good retraction blah 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 here is a photograph of three types of teeth a posterior and anterior and the types of retraction this is what we're looking for tick 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 and here is a lab sheet and examples of different things that you'd want to communicate like I'd like this because I sometimes I don't even know what I'm what you're looking for and sometimes I just ask them like what is it you're looking for I didn't even know I was meant to send an occlusal photo so I would love to see that welcome pack from a technician it could save you guys some headaches yeah look and it's and as you know you know we're, we're, we're big on that sort of communication too when when a prep's not quite right on a case then we'll spend some time and prep a solid model and send it back to the dentist and say look this is what we're looking for this is the ideal prep for this particular case Yes, yes. And you know what? You, and I know you've done that for other cases that um, other dentists have reached out and said, Rob wants me to do this. But from the dentist's point of view, sometimes it's like, Why? well, duh, because Why? he needs the space. Yeah. It's, you want that black triangle closed, then we, we actually need to bring the margin around into proximally. And, uh, you know, a, a, again, it comes to just stripping things back to the basics and start stepping back sometimes and thinking about what, what we're doing and, uh, and just to keep it simple. So, Rob, in this dream world, in this future we imagine, we do no redos, your dentists send you perfect perfect impressions first time, every time, really good photos, and they take after photos, send it to you, send you a thank you message, upload it to Instagram, tag you in it, and that's the world we're aiming to live in. That is the best world, you know, and that's that's a world of appreciate, mutual recognition, great appreciation, and it makes makes the job fun, you know. It, it's 
as I said, working in a lab sometimes be, it becomes really bloody monotonous and hard graft. And when you're constantly under pressure of feeling as though you're not doing good enough, you know, or well enough, because, you you know, technicians and ceramists are creatives and we're, we're always trying to push the envelope a little bit more and, and most 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 people at the, at the high end are, are really proud of what they're doing. So you're dead right. In the, in the perfect world, you're getting, you know, a bit of feedback some constructive criticism on how we can improve things in the laboratory and and having dentists that are open to that same constructive criticism to improve the end result because at the end of it there's only one person that really matters and that's the patient thank you so much for listening to the dental head start podcast i genuinely hope this is helping you become a better dentist So if you like what you're hearing, make sure you subscribe on your podcast player and I want you to do me a favor. I want you to go to social media and share something that you've appreciated from us with one of your friends. That's how the word gets out. That's how more people gain and benefit from what we're doing. And if you're a dental student or a graduate and you want to get a head start, go to dentalheadstart.com to find everything we're doing to help dental students become great dentists.